So I was recently on a short self-retreat, and I was given a little gardening task to do as my work meditation, help out the center. And the task was that there were, um, I don't know what kind of flowers they were, but they're very pretty. They're very bright flowers, but then when they... Um, when the petals are gone, they leave this kind of um, brown deadhead, as it's called. And the, this patch of flowers had way more deadheads than flowers left. But the uh, the task was to remove the as many of the dead ones as possible, leaving a more calm and uh, still flower-filled view. I liked especially that I was asked to make it look calmer. That was the point. And it's true. When I when I was framed that way, I could see that having a few flowers and then all these kind of randomly pointed um, dead stalks had kind of a chaotic look to it. So that was motivating for me because that's a value that I like is tranquility and calmness. But the task was to, you know, cut way down to the stem and trim off this dead head. And there were easily over a thousand of them that I did during the time I was there. And I could see so clearly, I mean, this is a, it's a very simple, repetitive task, which is actually nice when one is on retreat. But I could see very clearly that my relationship to that task was, you know, 100% of what was important there. You know, I could take that on as, oh, gosh, there's, a, you know, thousand of these things I'm not going to be able to finish and it's so boring and it's hard actually to reach down in and try to cut it near the stem and you know I could get lost in all of that or there were so many other things to pay attention to I could feel how my body was balanced oh can I cut in a way that my shoulders never get tired or um, can I have some strategy like Oh, I'll always take the one that's sticking up the farthest, and then once that one's done, there will be another one that's sticking up the farthest, um, just to keep the mind interested. So there were so many different ways to play with it, and I saw uh, all these different relationships with my mind as I went through this very simple, repetitive task. So it, it felt very much like um, what we learn in practice, is that it's really not so much exactly what you're doing, but much more how, and much more the attitude that's broad, and the quality of the attention, and um, the motivation. So many more internal factors are what's important compared to the particular physical situation that there is. I'm reminded that there's a story where a, a very old man comes to the Buddha and he says, oh, I've heard so much about you as a teacher and I'm so glad I finally got to come because, you know, my body's not in that good shape so it's not easy for me to come and see you. And then he says something kind of poignant. He says, you know, I... I haven't really meditated or done anything my whole life to take care of my mind and now I'm getting older and my body is breaking down, what can I do? And, you know, obviously the Buddha's not going to say, well, you should ordain or you should go live in a cave, you know, it's not, that's not going to happen. 
And so it's kind of sweet, and the Buddha's very compassionate, and he says to him, well, you know, because he knows it would have been better for him to have done things, but here we are. And so he says, well, you should reflect to yourself or train yourself, uh, though I am afflicted in body, I will not be afflicted in mind. You know, that's sort of the base thought that we can start with. And from there, um, you know, we don't hear a lot more about this fellow, but he, it was definitely a turning point for him when he understood the difference between the body and the mind, and that the body's going in one direction, but the mind can always uh, continue to develop and can be in a good state uh, regardless of what's going on. Another dimension of life in that time, and when there are parallels in our modern time, is that people were very interested in and wrapped up in uh, their social station. We don't know anything about that, right? But in, at that time, it was more uh, what family you were born into, you know, what social class and what particular family. Um, and also, I, my understanding, it was a little bit where you were from, also, if you were born in the right city. Um, that was important, because people didn't move around as much then as they do now. So you got defined by your family and your city. And you can think of our modern equivalents. We tend to define people by their work. What do you do? First thing you ask somebody, what do you do, or what did you do? Maybe it's different when you get older, but um, this is a big deal for us. You know, what is what did we choose to make as our vocation, which of course is not completely up to us. There's so many conditions that go into what would be possible and what can arise for us, but that's what we care about. And so there were people who were wrapped up in this would come to the Buddha and try to make claims based on their family position, for example. And so there were many teachings he gave that said things like, well, just because you were born into a good family, that doesn't necessarily make you a good person. You know, I qualify people more by whether they're kind and attentive and generous and, you know, virtuous and other sorts of things. And he had to say this many times, many ways, because people felt somehow that who, who they were as, as they'd been born into was important. Very radical to say that's not so important. And in the same way, we can say, well, you know, what is it that we can get wrapped up in our world in doing the right thing that looks correct externally? You know, I'm buying the organic food and I'm showing up at the farmer's market and I'm, I'm making my life look a certain way. And the Buddha says that might be good, but certainly better than some options. But where we really have to look is what's going on inside while we're doing that. You know, are we doing this to impress other people? Are we doing this because we think that's the right thing in some way, or that doing that is going to make us um, be more attentive or more kind? Uh, he says instead there's a, there's, there comes to be an internal movement uh, where we're doing those things because that's just what we would do based on who we are inside. It always comes back to the heart.
there's one where he's several teachings here where he's very explicit about this like for example not by means of a shaven head does someone dishonest and undisciplined become a renunciate how could someone filled with longing and greed be a renunciate someone who is pacified poor mind states small and great in every way is for that reason called a renunciate so he's saying it doesn't matter that you shave your head and put on the robe as much as what it is in your heart or here's the one about talking a lot that's good for me um there's one that says one does not uphold the dharma only because one speaks a lot having heard even a little if one perceives the dharma with one's own body and is never negligent of the dharma then one is indeed an upholder of the dharma so it's it's coming from the inside and then just to be a little bit direct gray hair does not make one an elder someone ripe only in years is called an old fool (laughs) it's through truth dharma harmlessness restraint and self-control that the wise one is called an elder yeah so there's something about there's something additional that we bring through our practice everyone will mature physically just because that's how the body works you're born, you become a child, then an adolescent, then a physical adult, if you live that long. Um, but the Buddha's pointing to something different, you know, something that, and then you will become elderly, um, but not an elder if there's no development of the heart along the way. And that's what we work on. And that part is shared equally by all. All have that potential, all have that ability. It's not so important what a person is doing, if they're working in a particular way or have certain things or not. The quality of the heart takes a little longer when you get to know someone to learn about their quality of heart. So we use proxies instead about what do you do and so forth. But it's worth considering with considering for ourselves and in our interactions with others if these are the things that we truly value and if those are the way inform us in the simplest things that we do from cutting off the deadheads to choosing our profession to how we walk down the street and this has the potential of course to lead to so much more contentment than to trying to make our lives so, trying so hard to make our lives be right. I gotta do the right thing, be the right thing, look the right way, have the right stuff. Instead, how about whatever's arising? Is it a chance for wisdom and compassion, a chance to wake up? Wake up in any situation, like this one right here. Good enough. One's good enough. So, thank you.